1: Here's my
2: my, you know, my fantasy it never happens like this. I would love to be in my basement watching the Reds versus the Dodgers in the, uh, in the pennant, you know, fighting for the pennant with my daughter and my and my son and my wife who's a, who's a White Sox fan and uh, she wouldn't care about uh, she wouldn't care about the National League. But you know, I would and I would sit there and they and it would be back and forth and back and forth and my kids would be like jumping in my face and I would be very patient and say, just wait, just you wait, it'll happen. <laughs> and then and then the and then the Reds would come back and embarrass the Dodgers and then I would win and I would I would win graciously and it would be a teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> <Love it. laughs>
3: out to the podcast. No, we're not going to a baseball game, guys. Sorry. But we do have a baseball fan on today. Yes, Clancy Brown loves... Well, I don't want to get into it quite yet. Hold on. We first still have to do our final, final, truly the end What did we think about the Dexter New Blood season? I know last week was episode 10, and we had Clyde Phillips on, the grand poobah himself, the showrunner, the creator, in a sense, more than anyone else has ever been, of Dexter, the television series. And that was great, but we got to hear from my co-host today, Claire Kramer, and I, by the way, and one of your other co-hosts, David Magadoff, yes, Teddy Reed from Dexter New Blood, about what she really thinks because she, of course, is our resident super fan of the Dexter New Blood series. So, Claire, lay it on us. How'd you feel? Oh, David, 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 <laughs> it is the final,
4: final, the fi- the final finale. I do feel like it's the final finale. There was the finale of season, you know. Seasons Past, which is kind of like, you know, the ghost of Christmas past. And then we had episode 10, Sins of Our Father. Um, I, I have dead. a lot of emotions. I have a <laughs> lot of emotions. Yeah. I mean, listen, what happened was the inevitable. And, you know, Clyde for many years has been saying, Dexter needs to atone for his sins. He need, he, you know, the, there is no code that, uh, the code is created out of necessity the necessity for dexter and for harry to accept his need to kill but his need to kill supersedes the code as we saw in the flashback in that final those final moments where there's the confrontation with harrison and dexter and harrison is saying look what you've done which we talked about last week was a line from episode 1 season 1 way back, uh, and you see the you see the montage of the of innocent victims, you know And so in a way, I I did not want Dexter to die because I wanted another season and a, another show and more Michael C Hall as Dexter Morgan. However those last moments were the most real we've ever seen Dexter be. He he had his guard down. He ha- and I I agree and I disagree with some of the you know artistic choices, but ultimately, the people driving the show you know Michael, Clyde, you know the, these guys that have been with these characters and and with the story for so long, they did what they felt was right, and I respect that. You know I respect that a lot. Um,
3: I think we have. My- I think we have the main issue at hand is. Twitter was aghast initially at what happened. They were like, You have so many tweets I saw was, how could you have gotten it wrong twice? And you have also the creators of the show who were like, we were very thoughtful and this was a way to end it. I mean, Michael, I don't think was going to do this again if he didn't die. I think that was a major part of why he wanted to do it. So it, it's funny how... The creative license of a prolific and iconic character is sort of held in so many different people's hands, right? Is it like Mm -hmm. who is one to decide? Like there's that feeling if you're a fan where you're like you owe this to the universe, Clyde Phillips and Michael C. Hall and creators of Dexter to continue this on forever for this is good for all of us and we all love him and we now own the – the heart of Dexter. But then you also have, it's like, who owns it? Isn't it such a fascinating thing? Like, I think you nailed it, Claire.
4: Yeah, it it is. Everybody feels invested, you know, everybody, but no more so than Michael C. Hall. He's the number one, I don't care who you are, you're not as invested as he is. He, he's had so much integrity playing that character. And, you know, the fact is, his best acting, by a long shot, Was that last scene with Harrison in the both series, New Blood and the original, whole entire and the season?
3: He did a great job the whole season, right? He he did a great job.
4: He's a phenomenal actor, but I'm saying, like, he took it to a new level. He allowed us to, he allowed himself, he allowed Dexter, the character, to feel something, and that is very, very rare when that happens, and to see that and to see him. In a, have Harrison enact the code. Harris Harrison does implement the code in killing his father. You know that is the code. You kill bad people. You you take and I don't believe Harrison has the same dark passenger because. You know, it's just uh, he has he's angry, he's a kid, and he's freaking angry. Like he said, I'm I'm angry, I don't have this drive to kill that you have, you know. And no, we're not gonna go being a father son, like
3: <laughs> you know, on you, Clyde,
4: go to, go to Los Angeles and you know, murder you know, vigilantes and whatever. That's not happening because Harrison is not cut from the same cloth Dexter is. Dexter's one in a million, one of a You know, one of that micro percent of the population that is truly a narcissist, that is truly has no conscience, you know, and only in the moment where he says to Harrison, yeah, use the code on me. That's that's the most real we've ever seen, Dexter.
3: It was pretty epic, to say the least. I thought that whole, you know, I remember reading episode 10. And then watching it though, I was like on the edge of my seat like the whole time, and I, I'm like, and I'm I'm watching myself in it and going like, I still don't remember some of these things. This again, it's been so long in a beautiful way where I'm so glad I sort of just forgot some of these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that's what happens. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, that's okay, that's
4: fine. I really wish. Now my only yeah like, you, again, I'm invested. Yeah,
3: how would you tweet? But,
4: I would I would have liked to seen Batista have a, a final confrontation with Dexter. If they're going to bring him in to episode 10, which they did, you know, the, and then he's on his way with all his files and everything he knows about the Bay Harbor butcher and blah, blah, blah. Okay. But that was missing for me. Like, don't don't build it up you know when we had clyde on last week he kept quoting anton chekhov and saying you never put a loaded gun on the stage unless you're going to shoot it well don't put batista in the episode where dexter dies unless he can confront him you know that that was a scene that was missing for me i don't know what did you think
3: well i didn't watch a lot of the series so i think for people who have what i'm learning you are one of many voices who are sharing that which is batista's ex-wife the chief of police back at Miami Metro, she had a whole idea, right? That it was him. So mm-hmm. this is a really big deal. This is years in the making kind of moment. And it was set up. And I think you might have a point. I think there is something to be said for Did that. Did they
4: shoot a scene between them? And then just no. it had to get cut? No. Okay. No. That's interesting. I was also, honestly, when I started watching the episode, I I clicked out of it about 10 minutes in, and I was like, please tell me this is a 90-minute episode. And I was actually surprised it was not because I think that the story got really compressed in the last, like, 15 minutes, you know? You see, from the time Dexter, like, attacked Logan and killed Logan to the end— was like, I I needed more there. I needed more time, more talky-talky. I didn't, you know, I just needed more resolution, which I guess is, in a way, there is no, it's like life, there is no resolution. You don't, when people die, they die, you know? I lost my father very suddenly, and there's no, there will never be a resolution, you know? And
3: What do you think of the smile that overcomes Harrison's face as he drives away?
4: I think that... He's looking at the letter, you know, and it says, you know, I must die so my son can live. Now, of course, that was written 10 years ago in different context because Dexter was faking his death then. But I do think that those words comfort Harrison in a way. But Harrison's going to need years and years of therapy, (laughs) like... This is, like, not something that he should brush under the rug. No. And I'm sad that he has to leave Iron Lake because it's the only place he's had some, you know, consistency in his life. He started to find a community. He had a great, you know, potential relationship, you know, uh, girlfriend, you know. Yeah, that kid is
3: fucked. Let's be real. That kid is driving away. (laughs) He he came into Iron Lake fucked and he left. (laughs) <laughs> Another
4: thing that they showed that I was like, why Why did they show that for one quick moment? They they revealed that Harrison was there yes. when he, Matt was killed. Yes. And that was really interesting to me um, because having him know that the entire season, his entire dealing with, you know, Kurt and his entire dealing with – his father that added a whole nother element so I'm curious David was that a decision that was made in episode 10 or was that something that they decided early on and then they never really explored it again
3: this is a this is a perfect Clyde Phillips Scott Reynolds Marco Siega question so mm. maybe I'll shoot them a text and let you know next week I'll I'll have an answer let's for just you. keep
4: we're gonna keep this Dexter new blood alive <laughs> it'll never end
3: <laughs> Um, It'll never end. It'll never end. And speaking of never ending, we are continuing it still. We have Clancy Brown. Yes, Kurt Caldwell himself from Dexter New Blood. Of course, you know him from the movie, the epic movie, Highlander and Shawshank Redemption, Sleepy Hollow, (laughs) Billions. You know him as Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, And of course, the upcoming John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah, this is Clancy Brown and he plays a badass in every sense of the word, but he loves the Cincinnati Reds. So grab your bat and let's swing away.
1: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car.
3: Why do you choose Cincinnati over Cleveland? Is it 100% where you live? Or are there people in Southern Ohio that are Cleveland fans or Northern Ohio that are Cincinnati fans? Are we okay with that? Claire?
4: Well, I mean, I, I got to <laughs> defer to you, Clancy, on this. I'm going to give my opinion after, but go ahead.
2: Okay, so here's my answer about Cleveland versus Cincinnati. Um, there's, Ohio is two states the north like everything probably north of mansfield although there's some some beautiful uh, rural towns like ashland and stuff like that although that's ashland's an oil town but north of mansfield which is almost in the middle of the state is industrial ohio right uh th- the only thing that saves them is the amish that they live up there right and everything south of of Mansfield is is uh, rural Ohio, southern Ohio. That's pretty much it. I wanted like I could go on and just, like do stuff about uh, economies and stuff like that because there is that difference. Except that that's more east that's that's more of an east west kind of thing. But you know, also having grown up in the '60s and '70s, mostly in the '70s, Cleveland didn't register, but the big red machine was was the was the bomb. Take it away, Claire.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. There are so many divides in Ohio. But what I can say when it comes to sports teams is we bleed the blood of our teams. So if you grew up in a Reds household, as I did, as it sounds like you did, Clancy, you know, you that was ingrained from when you were little, you know, that that was your team. Much like football, I we suffer from lack of NFL teams there consistently. We all go for Ohio State. That's our, you know, college ball is life in Ohio. Right. And the Reds were just the quintessential team for our state, you know, and it's a team that people know Internationally,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
4: so mm-hmm. really, there's there's just so much, and then you add like Pete Rose in there, and then you've got all sorts of stuff happening. So yeah. all sorts of Reds love
2: that's a great story. Plus, it's the first professional baseball team. Nothing happens if there's not the Cincinnati Reds,
4: right? Nothing. I mean, it's Joe, the origin, it's- the origin story.
3: That's yeah, right. Clancy. I I looked it up. I'm a huge baseball fan, as you know. We've talked a lot of baseball in Dexterland uh, for our six months. And you, we, you have the plight of a terrible National League team. I have the plight of a terrible National League team in the New York Metropolitans. Uh, did you know that the original name? Well, not even wait, the original name was the Red Stockings. Mm-hmm. Did you know the can I trivia you on the original name of the Cincinnati Reds? Like when you're talking about like 1866?
2: Yeah, sure. The Cincinnati Blues. <laughs> no i don't know i don't know red red legs i don't know the
3: original name You're, red legs got, was no red legs is they you've changed got, the, you've got the wiki open so oh hundred percent tell us what the name is a hundred percent the original name was commies they the, the, <laughs> was the, the communists so the original name of the cincinnati reds was the resolute baseball club of cincinnati there you go in 1866. Kind of sexy, huh? Kind of wish that yeah, was man. the name today. <laughs>
2: yeah, the Resolutes.
3: Go Resolutes. The Resolutes. <laughs> Resolutes. I love it.
4: That's so like right after the Civil War name, too. <laughs> right, on. right on. We Resolute this to be a baseball team.
3: Is that yeah. your story, Clancy? Did you become a fan from just being around the Big Red Machine, which we'll get into what that is later? Just basically, they were a great team in the 70s. And you were a yeah. kid. Do you remember like the age you were? Was it a father? Did you go to a game? What no, it was, you it was
2: it was it was most. I think I went to two games as a kid. I went to I went to Crosley Field once. I saw him play the Phillies or somebody, and I stood outside to get autographs with all the other kids because that's what all the other kids were doing, and the adults were all saying, "Hey, Clancy, go over there and and you know get get an autograph, get an autograph." I didn't know who anybody was. I you know if there if there was a a large man that was signing stuff i like went up to him and had there. him sign something <laughs> yeah had no idea and apparently i got like l- like the worst i got somebody's brother i got a whole bunch of people that weren't <laughs> You got the you know, what, But
4: when you're a kid, it doesn't matter. It's that moment of like connecting with someone who's doing something at a level, a professional level, something you aspire. I mean, what kid growing up, I feel like every boy growing up at some point dreams of playing baseball. I know my boys do, you know, yeah, and yeah. Well. just to stand there and have that connection. Now, let's just go back for one second, Clancy, in case someone is not familiar with the Cincinnati Reds, if they have not read the Baseball Almanac, can you describe the team a little bit for our audience?
2: oh yeah they're the they're the very first professional team they used to play in well they've played in a couple of places but the one that i just referenced was crosley field because they were owned by the crosley brothers who were the cincinnati millionaires that had uh, crosley radio and crosley car and all the rest of that stuff then in 1970 they moved to riverfront stadium which was a, a place where really talented players were eaten alive by astroturf. That was all the all the rage back in the seventies. They've had a number of great teams. I think they were. I think they played the Chicago White Sox in the Black Sox World Series. You know, they've just been around for a long time. They've been around so long that they were actually kicked out of the league for serving beer at a game
4: uh, during Prohibition.
2: I don't know when it was, but they were. But that was something that you didn't do when they were kicked out of the league, and a lot of a lot of the players then went somewhere else, went to either Boston or or Atlanta or someplace, and they started that their star players started another team. Which which if if you go to the Atlanta stadium, Atlanta has this claim of being the longest, the oldest team in one place or some nonsense it's like really a semantic piece of shit <laughs> but i mean that's it's just like
4: baseball yeah base, I if know, there's a I statistic baseball yeah. will figure out how to make like they it will drill down into like well this is the amount you know it, yeah. that's what cracks me up about the sport so much and i love it but they will find a way to make a statistic out of anything right
2: right right and the (laughs) lore Atlanta Atlanta
4: has (laughs) right
2: so no and I just grew up listening to him on the radio I would like go to sleep listening to him play the Dodgers on the radio and I you know I I I wasn't I wasn't crazy about baseball like I said I only I wasn't very good at it for one thing but it was you know Marty Brenneman and those guys were my lullaby they were my you know they were my podcasters that I go to sleep to I
3: love that so no, I love I love that. So hold on, Clancy. That hold is on. Hold on right the, now. Hold on. Hold, hold on. on hold on. Hold it. Just if you don't have anything to hold, hold it. I love the Mets, even when they're terrible, because our broadcasters of Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling, to me, and I've heard a lot of TV broadcasters are the best in the game, and even Howie Rose, who's our radio announcer, he can just make anything great. Is that a huge pull for you even to this day is just the actual people who are you know yeah don't you think yeah because yeah because especially our teams are so terrible well you I mean <laughs> it's clearly not because that they <laughs> they're doing so great it's the people are, are just making it entertaining
2: yeah no i i you know it was marty brennan and joe nuxall uh when i was growing up and then marty just retired and they were very specific characters they're you know mythological characters now they got um Cowboy Jeff Brantley. Cowboy. He's Cowboy Jeff Brantley is a reliever for the Reds for a while in San Francisco. <laughs> he's he's terrific. He's really good. Um and I forget the other guy who's who's
3: there. He's also a real pro, but I don't think he played. He's I, I feel
2: embarrassed now. I don't know his name.
3: Do you ever imagine you'd get called into the booth? Like I always imagine what it would be like to just sit there in the booth with these guys and like I have been, some- actually. You've done it. I did. I went to.
2: I went to. <laughs> I went to a Dodger game. They were honoring uh, uh, Lasorda for getting in the Hall of Fame. Now, my family used to own newspapers, and I have this friend who, like, you know, always could get like press passes and stuff. So, you know, whenever the Reds came to town, he would like send me his press pass because he wasn't going to fly out, but he would send me his press pass. And I would get on the field and I would, like, you know, meet the guys and talk to them as much as possible. But I was always, like, too, like, freaked out and embarrassed. And they're all, like, children. When you see them up close, they're, they're just kids. They're just, there's nothing that, uh, you know, an old man can say to them. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was there. They You know, they kicked us out for the Lasorda thing. And Sparky Anderson was there. And uh, who wasn't quite yet in the Hall of Fame, and he, I think he had just been fired by the uh, by the uh, Tigers because he said that he would back the players if they walked out or something. I mean, it was something you know, it was just typical solid baseball spa- politics. Yeah, nonsense. it was typical solid yeah. Sparky though. You know, you know, he's a great <laughs> guy, and um, and he was there, and so I sent a note up to Marty and Joe in the booth and they said, yeah, come on up. And so we, I did a little interview with them while I was there, Lasorda comes in and, you know, he starts, <laughs> yeah. And he starts, he starts talking about, i I'm, I'm, I give, I give him shit. I said, like, you know, you, I can't believe you're in the hall of fame before Sparky, ha. you know, why are you in the hall of fame before Sparky? You know, Sparky won two world championships in different leagues, dude. You know, and, but he, you know, he said, you you love the Dodgers, right? I said, nope. <laughs> I'm a Reds man. I live here, but I'm a Reds man. And my kids do love the Dodgers. That's their hometown. So, so I root for the Dodgers. But that was, that was a fun thing. Uh I got.
3: That's wonderful. Did you like call the play on the field or were you no, 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 more no, no. just chatting? They just, okay. they
2: just did their little color thing. You know, I, I, I think Nuxie, Left to go drink because <laughs> that's, that's what Nuxie did, at, you know, in the later innings. Um, you're the so Jerry was,
3: Seinfeld for the Reds because Jerry always comes to the booth and talks to talks for the Mets. Him. Is that right? Yeah. So well, well, I the, wish I the, could.
2: The, I wish I could when they're in D.C. You know, or, <laughs> you're or, or the guy for the Reds. The, you're their go-to. When they're in L.A., I love that it. would be fun. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get that one of these days. But there's lots of way more high Q Reds fans than me. Claire for instance well
4: no I mean he actually one of the things that I like so much about the team and and I feel like you'll agree is the history we you know we talked about it's been around since just after the Civil War the first baseball team there would be no baseball without the Reds um That's right. do you have sort of like a highlight of games that have been your favorite games over the history of the, I mean there's obviously several that stand out the one where they won the championship for the first time after 35 years where they sent in yeah. you know I don't know do you have some of your favorites and if so do you ever bring them oh, up and man. watch them
2: I, I no, I love them all I, I I don't I that's a good idea I should do that
3: you need to do it because there's no great memories happening currently so we have to go back yeah to the well, old memory yeah maybe <laughs>
2: Thank God, um, you too. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We we, we got to believe. There's always next year.
3: Yes, I, I think I, I think
2: one of the World Series that I love, and there's a lot of great ones. Uh, I love that they swept the A's in in '90, and I you know I, that I, I always tease my Boston Red Sox fans about '75 and all that. But I think the better one was one they lost the year before '75 against the A's, and that's when uh, I think Reggie Jackson was hurt, and so everybody in Cincinnati were like, we're gonna, we're gonna kick their butt. And Gene Tennis, who is actually from Ohio, like set some kind of record for for RBIs or something during that. As they, they I, th- I think it went to six or maybe it's, maybe it went to seven games. That was a great series, even though it didn't end c- properly. But it was a great it was a great series and doesn't get enough love, I think, because those teams were just they were so full of characters. They were all cartoon characters back then.
4: Well, because they, like you said, you you had these games airing on radios. You had them like, it, it was, our media was so differently consumed back then. So there right. was so much more description of the people versus now I feel like it's just the coverage of like the events in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. But they really mm-hmm. had to paint a picture in the way they described things, yeah. which gave a wonderful flavor to those old- well, you
2: should listen to cowboy Jeff Bradley. <laughs> I want to now. Yeah, that one's right down Broadway.
4: <laughs> if there's a red Game. that pitch game on. was a
2: blue by you pitch. <laughs> <laughs> they just blew that. by him. Oh, he's he's so great and, and really knowledgeable and a good guy. The only thing is, he despises the Dodgers. He despises Dodger Stadium. He just you know he he just doesn't like him because he came up in, in San Francisco and.
3: Well, they used to be in the same. Not to get too inside baseball yeah, here, right. but they Re- used to
2: be in the same. Division, Division, yeah.
3: So, yeah, I'm glad that they're not anymore so that you can enjoy the Dodgers a little bit in that <laughs> field, too. But it sounds like it's hard to let go. When they lose today, like, we'd be on set, and I'd check the score, and I Mets and Reds played each other, and that was... And for some reason, we decided to beat you a few games and then we lost everybody else for the rest of the year. <laughs> when they lose though today, does it, will it get you down a little bit? Are you that much of a fan? Only, that actually... only if they're, only if
2: they're, if they're contending, you know, mm, Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always that it's always, if they're contending, you know, you want them to, and they were like right there. And then St. Louis blew by, blew by everybody. Yeah. Those Cardinals, you know, so, you know, that's, and that's also the character stuff at the end of the season. You know, you see, you see who really has has the guts and
3: it Our, bums me out. <laughs> Gary Keith and Ron. Speaking of them again, they the Mets were doing so poorly at the end of this last season, and when a game was going like maybe eight runs to two from the other team, mm. they just started bringing out old baseball cards and just <laughs> going through it. Like they would, they ignored the game. They were just like, well, and like that's a typical. That's a typical Mets fan. Uh is is there a memory of, of seeing something in the booth? I mean, you were in the booth, which is fantastic, but is there a memory of seeing something in the booth or seeing a Pete Rose do something that was wonderfully different oh, or gosh. odd or quirky in a wonderful Cincinnati Reds guy? Well, of way? I
2: mean, you know, the the Marty Brenneman was always in his later years, there was no filter on the guy. If they weren't playing well, he would he would let him. He would let the team have it. He's like, "Why are you putting that guy in?" You know, he can't. He can't strike out a, 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 a paper bag, and I don't understand what's going on. He, you know, he, obviously he wanted to be the manager. Uh, what's the biggest? I mean, I guess I, I, I guess I remember. I remember Eric Davis and his stance because it was so. <laughs> It was so loosey goosey, and like uh, nobody ever, ever had a batting stance like that. And he just would crush the ball. It looked like he wasn't paying attention, and then the guy would like throw a fastball, and he would just ambush the fastball and send it over the thing. Uh, there was a couple of guys on the team that uh, ripped their their uh, long sleeves off when they had the when they had the like the vest. That uniform <laughs> Glenn something we just had these enormous guns just these gigantic biceps and he could he could hit the ball pretty far sometimes and then there were I think the last time I was in Riverfront before they moved to Great American ballpark which is a great ballpark I saw this kid and I don't remember his name but he was just called up and he was a he was a big player and he hit a ball so hard. Uh, it just uh, it would have gone it would have gone into the the lake, uh, but you know the shortstop was trying to catch it and it just kept going up and up and up and up and it was a it was an out and I, I wish I could remember his name because he was like he was like going to be the next George Foster and then he was killed somehow in the off season he he died in the off season and entire Cincinnati fans were like oh no you know who <laughs> What what a tragedy! Who's gonna bat yeah. fourth? Yeah, <laughs> I. I, rem- I, I <laughs>
4: that's sports priorities. Um, <laughs> what what is your ideal scenario? If you can't be there in person nowadays, what's your ideal scenario to watch a game? Like, do you enjoy watching alone? Do you want to enjoy w- with your family friends? What paint me a picture?
2: Paint you a picture, please. <laughs> uh, I'm so not good at this. Um, I would love to be and here's here's my, my you know my fantasy. It never happens like this. I would love to be in my basement, watching the Reds versus the Dodgers in the uh, in the pennant, you know, fighting for the pennant with my daughter and my and my son and my wife, who's a, who's a White Sox fan, and uh, she wouldn't care about uh, she wouldn't care about the National League. But you know, I would and I would sit there and they and it would be back and forth and back and forth and my kids would be like jumping in my face and I would be very patient and say, just wait, just you wait, it'll happen. <laughs> and then and then the and then the Reds would come back and embarrass the Dodgers and then I would win and I would I would win graciously and it would be a teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> Love it. Or because they're adult children now, so I could actually, I could actually jump in their face and swear and do all sorts of things if I had to.
3: <laughs> I like the teaching moment. Yeah, that's beautiful.
2: <laughs>
0: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back
4: And David, I think you mentioned baseball cards. Let's talk about the merch. I mean, clearly you have the hat, the sweatshirt. You've got yeah. other stuff going on. As a kid, did it start with collecting the baseball cards for the Reds and getting those autographs?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I grabbed the cards when I could, but I wasn't a, I wasn't a crazy baseball card collector. I collected the you know monsters of Hollywood cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. those, those are the cards I kind of collected. I, I remember when we moved to DC. Uh, I was in D.C. for like half the year to go to school because my dad was in Congress and the Orioles were really good and there was a uh, there was a bottle cap game that you popped a bottle cap off a Coke or something or a Sprite or whatever and it would have a player and you could put that bottle cap on a piece of paper that had all the positions and stuff and if you collected them all, you'd get a free ticket to the game and stuff. and I was I was very conscientious about that because I wanted to go to a game. I think uh, I think actually the I think Baltimore had just beaten the uh, had just beaten the Reds before they you know it was, it was when Baltimore started to be really good and uh, uh, in DC those were the only games in town right so and it was American League but there was never it was never going to actually happen you know my folks were never going to take me to an American League game <laughs> the the I did collect whenever I'd open a pack. If there was a Reds card, that would go right at the top. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of my cards are, you know, are in ashes now somewhere. I'm sure they're all gone.
4: It's terrible what parents do to our childhood collections. Mine got sold at a garage sale. Some yeah, stuff, I mean, like, you know, it's okay. St- stuff that Some, spent
3: somebody hours. probably has <laughs>
4: someone somebody out there is enjoying them. them.
3: Do you remember where you were during the 1990 World Series? And for those of you who weren't there. Uh, the 1990 World Series was the Reds versus the Oakland A's. The A's were heavily favored, and more importantly, the Reds swept the A's for nothing. And was the last World Series for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I was working on a
2: show called "Love Lies and Murder." Uh, it was a it was a mini series, and uh, and I would listen to the game. On the radio and was, you know, jumping in the face of all the all the baseball crew and teamsters who were saying, ah, the Reds don't have a chance, and the rest of that. And I, you know, would go over to the sound booth or you know wherever the grips were that were watching the game, and and you know Billy Hatcher going, you know, twenty for twenty <laughs> in the first games. I mean, Billy Hatcher was unconscious during that that thing, and they just you know they were wire to wire they were just a superior team and nobody nobody knew that about them and nobody ever gave them a chance and nobody thought that they were as good as they were but they were that was like a, that's actually a great team that was a great team
3: i always like to get into the why sometimes do you ever well i'm can- sure they'll let
2: you into the why <laughs> yeah Are you having trouble getting in the why
3: <laughs> you know we can help with that <laughs>
2: Yeah, I can help with that.
3: Yeah. Listen, you got into the you got into the booth uh, for a game and met Tommy LaSorda. If you can get me into the why, mm, uh, okay. that'll go a long way. <laughs> uh, as in, why do we love what we love? And do you connect with that at all? Like that sort of underdog mentality that the Reds sort of have, or know, well, well, there's the Yankees, the behemoth that you know, top of the world type of team. No, I think it's. I think it's
2: when you asked me to do this, I was trying to think, ah, oh, shit, you know, I don't, I don't really, I'm not a fan addict of anything. <laughs> um, but you think, you know, what, what is the thing that will, that immediately puts you in the relaxed frame of mind, you know? And you turn on a baseball, if I turn on a baseball, it doesn't have to be the Reds, it could be anything. But baseball has become that kind of uh, sanctuary for me, no matter, you know, no matter really who's playing. Um, I find it hard to watch other teams because, because I don't know the players as well. But if I, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll, like uh, uh, watching Boston, there's a bunch of ex-Dodgers on that team. There's probably going to be a lot of ex-Reds next year, <laughs> all, all over, all over Major League Baseball. So I'll probably be able to watch more teams. But that, you know, it's that's just a happy place for me, and that's just the place where I, where I feel the safest, I guess.
3: Do you do you feel like because I, I feel similar. Do you feel like it's just you don't have to, you know, life has its own challenges and its own hardships. And so you just get to turn on baseball and yeah. let somebody else kind of take over. Yeah, perfect.
4: I, I feel like for me, you know, especially being a lifelong fan of a team like the Reds or what, whatever team, whatever your team is out there, you know, you're playing as As the viewer, as the observer of this, you know, when you're invested in a team, it's like a lifelong strategic game that you get to watch and play and analyze. And like, you're really a part, like you said, of the characters and understanding the players and their deficits and their assets and what, you know, who's coming from where and why things are being done, especially in baseball, because it's, there's so, there's decisions every single second of that game, you know, it's, it's very unlike football or basketball in that way. Baseball is very calculated, very strategic, and if you enjoy strategy and you enjoy sports and you enjoy winning, which I do, (laughs) you know, you you're invested. That's why people are so invested in these teams, you know.
2: Yeah, and now the stats are so granular. Yes, they. You know, when when I was a kid, they weren't. Right. You know, it wasn't. It was like, but but then Bill James comes along and changes everything with sabermetrics and. And so that's kind of the thing now. But it, it, at the same time, you, you can't you can't completely uh, uh, you can't completely discount the poetry of it. You know, the instinct of it, and the you know the stories how everybody gets along. Uh, what the you know like Castellanos is going to leave this year. You know, he's going to go free agent. God bless him. I hope he gets makes a billion dollars. He's not going to be as good because he didn't. He he's not going to be playing with the same group of characters he's not going to be playing in that ballpark unless he goes to the mets which he might you know he might actually might actually hit more home runs in in that state what's that what's that stadium called city City field Field. city field might actually hit a lot of home runs there i don't know but you know it's there's all these sort of uh uh uh, what's the word i'm looking for um
3: uh Chemistry, the the, the chemistry, X but but factors. the but the
2: X factors, the in, the um intangibles, intangibles, <laughs> the intangibles, exactly. The intangibles are so they they also take over the game for me eventually, right? They also, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, you watch the the series this year with the Dodgers, and they were just they were just gassed after they beat after they beat San Francisco. And you could tell, there's like, okay, fine. We we beat San Francisco. That's all we wanted to do all year. You guys go on and play the World Series. I mean, I'm sure they want to be in the World Series, but at the same time, they're like, we got it last year. You know, we'll be back. But, you know, all we wanted to do was, like, put San Francisco back in its place.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the the end of that I'd like prefer to rem- to remember those, you know, games versus like the final games for the Dodgers this year. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> so yeah. let's say he does go to the Mets, your guy. Uh are you going to follow him and watch and watch him play there? No. Yeah. It's just like I mean, you know, if if you hear something, great. If you don't Yeah,
2: great. no, when yeah. we were stuck in um in beautiful uh western central mass you know, I had the MLB app on my Roku, so I could watch, I could watch whatever I want. But if you don't have that, you've got to watch NESN or, or, you know, whatever the,
3: whatever's on the sports channel. Mm-hmm. NESN is the Northeastern Sports Network for those of you who are not in New England that we got to enjoy and see the beautiful Boston Red Sox
2: during the baseball season. It's twenty-four hour Boston Red Sox games. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. And you know that's kind of fun, but uh, if I'm if I'm in New York, I will probably have to watch a Mets game or maybe even a Yankees game. You know, eh, it's always fun, but you know,
4: it's not the Reds.
2: It's not the Reds. But if but you know, like I said, if they got a Castellanos or or, or Gray or or uh, Luis Castillo's pitching for him, or you know, whatever. Is on there? I will watch them just to see how my boys are doing. How they've
3: gone to still. There's still a part of you. There's still yeah. A sure, you care about the
2: you care about the legacy.
3: Yeah, they came from you. you, you yeah, you saw them when they were babies. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a Cincinnati question for both of you? Mm-hmm. Sure.
4: Yes, we we accept your.
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you. As a New Jerseyan, uh, we can't have a conversation about this about something Cincinnati without asking about the chili. Now, do you eat chili? When you watch a game, sometimes do you? Is there chili served at the Great American Ballpark currently? And I'm told to to stay away from Skyline Chili, or must well, that's one a lie. enjoy Skyline Sky, Chili? Skyline
4: Chili is great. <laughs> But it it is a franchised, you know, restaurant. So, of course, the mom and pop chili that you're going to get, you know, just like a burger, I consider myself a bit of a burger connoisseur, Um, you know, you're going to have a great burger if you go to a franchise place that's known for burgers. But the best is going to be the little mom and pop shop. Same with chili, you know. But yes, absolutely. But you don't just get a bowl of chili. You get the chili dogs. And then what's really nice is when they serve the chili in the batting helmet that is turned upside down. and that's filled with chili. That's my personal favorite.
2: Excellent, Claire. Thank you, I'm Clancy. Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: here for you. I'm here to answer I'm these totally questions. I'm totally Switzerland
2: when it comes to Skyline Chili. <laughs> yeah, oh, fair
4: yeah too, too hot topic to really give an opinion, I feel. Let me ask you this, Clancy. If I'm getting anything from this whole podcast, which is also giving me insight into myself, it's the whole experience of loving a team, the lifelong experience of being invested with you know the team itself the players the changing of the players the changing of the rules of the games now they're in a new stadium what makes the reds new stadium so perfect for them cuz you said you'd it's, love the new stadium
2: it's tiny mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really small and it's got the smokestacks and you know it's just it's it's very cincinnati that stadium but i love the fact that it's as small as it is it is not attended as well as it should be Every uh, you know when it first opened, uh, it had a, it had a pretty good uh, pretty good attendance. But but the times that I've been there, it was really easy just to walk up and get uh, you know front row seats. But I think that's true in almost every stadium except maybe in New York or L A. or at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. You know you could you could walk up in a, a you can get front row seats at uh, at uh, White Sox Stadium. I was about to say Comiskey, but I don't think that's what they call it now and you can you can probably do that at at Cincinnati unless they're contending i mean you know it's always a good team you have to do but i you know i try to go to see every, i try to go to every stadium i mean there's nothing like a a, a game at fenway or mm. there's it's just a it's just again it's just the history a, i mean yeah it's just, just a, a mm, it's just love that. storied and it's got its own feel and Wrigley's the same way and you know it's a Great America ballpark ballpark is it's got a ways to go before it's one of those you know riverfront ended up having a horrible reputation at the three rivers and you know those those old multi-purpose things you know but the old state you know Dodger Stadium is the third oldest stadium now in major leagues and that's a great place to go see a ball game it is and when you guys are out in LA, I got season tickets, so you know, let's go, let's go see it,
3: Clancy. You you're yeah. speaking my language, ben. yeah, yeah. Man. This was I, I, uh, amazing. Yeah. Yes, I you can see the bullpen now. You can walk right up to the bullpen in Dodger Stadium. I love the new the new little changes they did. Yeah, they they no, did a great job with the changes recently.
2: Yeah, no, it's a it's a great place to go see a ball game, and you don't even have to know the teams to go
3: enjoy yourself there.
2: That's. Like I just I just went to the Chargers game. Chargers got that, beat by Minnesota. And it's so it's fi. just a complete different thing. It's just it's exhausting to go to a pro football game. here it's huge. It's too. huge, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a really again, a great venue, but but a pro, but pro football is an exhausting endeavor. Baseball is not exhausting. Baseball is very. It's very restful, very nice. I mean, I've I've hung out after the game in my seats and just, you know, had like heart-to-heart conversations with people. And and then I've left early, too, and, you know, beat the traffic. You know, you do everything. You just, you go into the, the in Dodger Stadium, you go into the parking lot to watch the fireworks on Friday night, you know. It's, there's all sorts of little, little traditions that you do. I don't know that Great America Ballpark has that quite yet.
3: Maybe they do, but, you know, I don't live there, so I don't have season tickets and Chavez Ravine. We'll meet in Chavez Ravine. Uh, Clancy, this was an absolute pleasure. Can you please uh, gift us with a love letter to your your team of teams?
2: All right, uh, dear Cincinnati Reds, beat Cleveland. Love, Clancy. Beat the Guardians. Love, Clancy. Fair enough. Simple. I love it. Thank you, Clancy Brown. The Guardians. I should put on my Cleveland hat while I'm at it.
4: (laughs) I love it.
3: Claire, was he right with that whole Northern Ohio, Southern Ohio thing? Is it really divided like that?
4: It is so divided. Yes, absolutely. Um, Ohio is a a place that you just have to have lived to understand. It's just an experience, David. So I could sit here and try to explain it, or Clancy and I could try to explain it to someone like yourself who has not lived there. But I don't think we would ever fully be able to encapsulate the experience.
3: It's not so much (laughs) a United State as it is a state of mind
4: it is a sta- it is round on the sides and high in the middle ohio um it's interesting though we talked a lot in that episode about the reds obviously and i just love clancy he's such yes. an amazing person and one thing we kind of circled back to a couple times was the statistics of baseball so i'm i'm curious about your opinion because i have a i have a quandary going on mm. my own personal quandary right now mm. it, my son who is a fantastic athlete? He will be 10 in March. He is a phenomenal baseball player. He plays everyone who knows me knows he plays soccer. That's his number one sport. But I just he's also equally talented in baseball. This However, isn't just proud
3: mom. This is your it's no, a fact. Really, he is good at baseball.
4: He did he actually got chosen out of all of Southern California. He did a national baseball commercial with like all these pros. So he got to like go to Arizona and shoot for like four days, get like pro baseball training. That's a whole nother thing. Here's the question. He's a lefty. He is in love. Now he's a great pitcher. He's a great left-handed pitcher, which I always tell him if soccer doesn't work out, that's my next thing that you can do to buy me my house. (laughs) But he absolutely loves and is absolutely phenomenal at catching. Now I had to look up the last left-handed catcher in major league ball was 1989. So these guys who are coaching him are like, listen, this is probably your last year. We can let you catch because there's no future in it. But I'm like, hey, listen, molds are made to be broken. The fact is he probably will never play in the majors, A, because we're so focused on soccer, B, because that's really hard to do even if we weren't focused on soccer. So let him catch. Let the lefty catch, right? Or no? Or Ooh, that's a
3: tough one. I don't think it's so much a stat thing. I think if I had to think about it, it's the reason why there aren't that many left-handed catchers. I think it's because when you would throw with your right arm, you it's the quickest way to get to first base, yes. and it's the quickest. And speed. you have
4: to you have to shift, you have to move the ball. Yes. if you're a lefty.
3: And there's a lot of right-handed players, so you're always going to be in the way. Say you say you're trying to you know strike him out, throw him out, and you want to. Th- there's a guy stealing second. And you want to throw it, but most of the hitters are right-handed. You're always going to have a person in your way if you're left-handed because they're going to be to your left. It's a very interesting thing. Okay, so this is all true.
4: I have learned this as a mom of a lefty, right? However, also at age, you know, nine and a half, whatever, he is picking off. People on Ooh. second, on third, on first, he's catching the, f- the fouls, like the flies, you know what I mean, to get an out. So I'm like, hey, as long as he's able to do those things, which by the way, no other player on his team is able to do that. Let him catch. I don't Let know. the
3: man catch. Is Let he going to be, is he going to change the sport? Is he going to be the iconoclast we've all been wanting, the left-handed catcher?
4: I mean, I don't know, you know, this is all obviously if soccer doesn't work out. (laughs) This is like plan B, but you know, it's something to think about. So I would appreciate if you as a avid fan of the sport would continue to, you know, develop thoughts about this. I will
3: pray. I I like plan C for capture. Uh Um, But guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, which is hopefully your plan A for podcasts. We had a great time with Clancy. Claire and I had a blast. Hope you guys did too. What a Please career. I love him. Like, exactly. Like and subscribe. And of course, listen to him as Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob. I hope you re binge all of Dexter New Blood. What a good time we had. And we'll see you for a brand new episode next Thursday for Fanatics. Love you guys.
4: Bye. And before we go, you guys, next week, we have Victoria Conifle coming on. You know her from Days of Our Lives. She, of course, plays Clara Brady. Not Claire. Clara Brady. And Victoria is coming on to talk about the sitcom Friends, which I love. And trust me when I say it is a great episode. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. Take me out to the Reds game, to the great American
3: ballpark. Fried baloney and skyline chili. I don't know if we'll ever win the World Series. Oh, David. Downer, David.
4: Aww. I don't want to sing anymore.
3: Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.